Jeremiah, Ezekiel 4, excuse me, uh, which I had in mind for today. I know if I got into that, I would wind up trying to preach, and uh, my voice would not hold out. And there is something else that is, I think, timely, uh, that perhaps needs to be discussed and some information presented. So this is going to be a presentation of information today as opposed to a preaching sermon as such. And it has to do with Thanksgiving Day. There's been some question about Thanksgiving Day. People have asked me, are we going to have uh, a meal together on that day and celebrate it together? Uh, or would we not? We have not in two or three years now, I guess. And I have de-emphasized it, having looked a little bit at some things. And I want to present some information today for your consideration. How do you think of Thanksgiving Day? Generally, my picture has been, I suppose, from things I learned at school, things I learned from family, and so on, that it was a day that the pilgrims, with their black and white shirts and coats and hats, came to harvest time, and they had a good harvest, and they thought this would be a wonderful day to devote to God and give thanksgiving to God for the bountiful harvest that we were given. So I looked upon it, I guess, as a day of prayer, also a day of eating good things, such as turkey and dressing and pumpkin pies and, and cranberries and, you know, the standard fare for Thanksgiving Day. And that this was something that was done between the pilgrims and God to be established as something to do every year as a thanksgiving to God. And I assume that from that first time that it was allegedly done in 1621, that it was carried forth year after year from that time forward as a commemorative thing and a thanksgiving set apart to God. And based on that, I never felt that there was any potential there for it being in any way wrong. There is a documentary, I think, that perhaps is already played, I don't know, <clears throat> but it comes on at 6 p.m. Sunday night, tomorrow night, on the History Channel. It is entitled, uh, Desperate Crossing, the Untold Story of the Mayflower. And it gets into Thanksgiving uh, pretty deeply. So after today, I want to give that a watch tomorrow evening, see what you think of what she has to say. This, uh, this uh, article about it is taken from the U.S. News and World Report, I think, the, I think it was this last week. It says, you were quizzed on it in school. Your children may have performed it in a play, dressed in black hats and white bibs. And like most Americans, you observe it every November with a sleep-inducing turkey feast. But the reality of the pilgrims and their transatlantic voyage is one that may surprise you. Uh, she says the turkey was a no-show and that there were a lot of people on the Mayflower other than pilgrims, or men and women of diverse backgrounds and so on, who wanted to get away from England and come to the New World. So it wasn't just a a ship full of God-worshipping pilgrims. It wasn't that at all. The first Thanksgiving was a three-day harvest celebration, and it would not have been considered a Thanksgiving, quote-unquote as we would, by the pilgrims. For strict Protestants, which those people were, Thanksgiving was a largely religious occurrence spent in church. That was in England. We'll see more of that a little later on. By 1620, the turkey, a native of the Americas, was already a familiar barnyard fowl in England that had been brought to Europe a hundred years earlier by the Spanish, by 1520 or so. So turkeys were well known in Europe and in England by that time. Only a single written account of the now famous harvest celebration of 1621 exists. No turkey is ever mentioned. We'll read that. A little later on here. 
this is from Wikipedia, the article on Thanksgiving. It says, Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving Day is an annual one-day holiday to give thanks, traditionally to God, at the close of the harvest season. In the U.S., Thanksgiving is celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November, and it was not always so. In Canada, on the second Monday in October, in the United Kingdom, where it came from, Thanksgiving is another name for the Harvest Festival held in churches across the country on a relevant Sunday to mark the end of the local harvest, though it is not thought of as a major event like Christmas or Easter, as it is in other parts of the world. Now, there it opens the window, too. Thanksgiving, or Harvest Festival, is a an annual tradition in many cultures to their gods for whatever reasons. This tradition was taken to North America by early settlers where it became much more important. It evolved, developed over a period of time. It goes on to talk about Macy's parade in New York that ends with a Santa float marking the beginning of the Christmas holiday season, which doesn't really have that much to do with Thanksgiving itself. But that is a gala celebration in New York, Macy's Day Parade. It's there to have recreation and fun and celebration, okay? I want to make that point right now because we may find that the original Thanksgiving was very much like what we do today in America, which pay very little attention to God. I thought it might have started out that way, and I could put God back in it. Let's go on. American football is often a major part of Thanksgiving celebration in the U.S., and likewise Canadian football in Canada. Professional games are traditionally played on Thanksgiving Day. That goes back into the 1800s, even the 1700s, I think. So it's a day to play in recreation, as kept by Americans today, basically. There's only generally passing reference to God on Thanksgiving Day in traditional American observance. That is, just before we pig turkey out, but we pig out on turkey and other things, usually a giving of thanks is made in a perhaps short prayer uh, by the head of the family if they believe in God at all in our country today. U.S. tradition associates a holiday with a meal held in 1621 by the Wampanoag, and I may have severely butchered that, and the pilgrims who settled in Plymouth, Massachusetts. This element continues in modern times with a Thanksgiving dinner, often featuring turkey playing a large role in the celebration of Thanksgiving. Now, some of the details of the American Thanksgiving story are myths that developed in the 1890s and early 1900s as part of the effort to forge a common national identity in the aftermath of the Civil War and in the melting pot of new immigrants. So there are certain myths that were created then, established then, late 1890s, 1900s, to try to pull a nation together that had been split by civil war and something that could be done in common with people coming from all over the world into the land of Israel, if you will. Now, Thanksgiving in the U.S., this is continuing in that Wikipedia article. The first official Thanksgiving was held in the Virginia colony on December 4, 1619. That's two years prior to the one that we look at in 1621 as the beginning of Thanksgiving. Near the current site of Berkeley Plantation, the pilgrims set apart a day to celebrate. It didn't say worship. It said celebrate. We'll see more later. Immediately after their first harvest in 1621, at the time... This was not regarded as a Thanksgiving observance. Harvest festivals were existing parts of English and Wampanoag tradition alike. Indians had harvest festivals. People who came from England had a harvest festival. Now, the article quotes 
two people. There is only one first-hand account of someone who was there in 1621, which is written down. There is another part of an article out of a book <coughs> written by another man 20 years later who was not an eyewitness, but by word of mouth and hearsay wrote down what he had heard and therefore believed about the, that so-called first Thanksgiving, the one we all look back to, okay? Let's read, perhaps in order of importance, the first one, which is written as hearsay 20 years later. These are the only two living accounts of anything that happened in that day. Anything else has been fabricated or read into it since. These are the only two records that have anything to do with that day in 1621, okay? I've gleaned that from several different sources. All right, here's the first one. And let's analyze this a little bit as we go through it. This is from Edward Winslow. No, this is from William Bradford in the book entitled Of Plymouth Plantation. Here's the paragraph. They is the first word. In other words, I was not there, but they. Okay? They began now to gather in the small harvest they had. This was written 20 years later. And to fit up their house and dwelling against winter, being all well recovered in health and strength, and had all things in good plenty. <coughs> For as some were thus employed in fairs abroad, affairs abroad, others were exercised in fishing about cod and bass and other fish, of which they took good store, of which every family had their portion. So he recounts what their means of employment was. Some were trading back and forth from Europe. Some were fishermen or whatever. All the summer there was no want, and now began to come in store of fowl as winter approached. The eastern flyway, what fowl were there? <coughs> Mostly ducks and geese. Of which this place did abound when they came first, but afterward decreased by degrees. When they came, carrier pigeons and, and others blackened the sky, there were so many and the ducks and the geese were the same way. And that time of year was <clears throat> the time that those birds were migrating. Now he says, and besides waterfowl, there was a great store of wild turkeys, of which they took many besides venison, etc. And I don't doubt that. Uh, this is his account 20 years later. But... <coughs> Excuse me. Besides, they had about a peck of meal a week to a person, or now since harvest, Indian corn to that proportion, which made many afterwards write so largely of their plenty here to their friends in England, which were not feigned but true reports. He did not mention God even once. He talked about the plenty they had, the things that were available to them, Now, this was, by word of mouth, 20 years later, you would think that had, if they had, a, had established a tradition of worshiping God in a day of thanksgiving, and that that had been an annual thing from there on, that this man who wrote about it 20 years later would certainly have mentioned God somewhere in his account of that first thanksgiving. In other words, the hearsay evidence that he had, people who talked about what happened then, if they did, all that came to his ears was we had lots of game, we had a lot to eat, and we had a pretty decent harvest that year. Now here is the only eyewitness report of that year by someone who was actually there. There is none other that exists. shorter paragraph <clears throat> all that was written about that day is about this much by one man this is from Edward Winslow in Mort's relation our harvest being gotten in so includes himself 
Our governor sent four men on fowling, that is, to hunt birds, that so we might after a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruits of our labor. So they wanted to rejoice together in a special manner. It doesn't mention God. It mentions lots of birds to eat. And that's what he emphasizes. Let's go on. They four who were sent hunting in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help beside served the company almost a week. So those four guys shot enough birds to last the whole group nearly a week. That's what he's talking about. At which time, amongst other recreations, so the first thing that's mentioned is food and recreation. What do we mention today in America? Food and recreation, whether it's Macy's, or whether it's football, or whatever it might be. At which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms. Now, that doesn't mean they did jumping jacks. <laughs> Exercising your arms in those days meant they shot their guns. They enjoyed shooting. So among other recreations, we specifically had a day of shooting. That's what they did. Men like to get together and have target practice and have contests to see who can shoot the straightest with a blunderbuss. All right, let's read on. At which time, amongst other recreations, a play day, we shotguns, many of the Indians coming amongst us, I don't know that they were invited, it doesn't say so. They, maybe they heard shooting and showed up. If I'd have heard them shooting, I might have gone the other way. We'll read some more about history in a little bit later, and, and probably they did after this. Many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. So they had a three-day orgy of celebration and feasting, or entertainment and feasting with the Indians. I don't think that sounds to me like they got the Indians together and preached Jesus and prayed for three days. They entertained and feasted for three days. So far, have we talked about God? Was he the central part of this? We're celebrating, we're playing games, we're shooting guns, and we're eating with the Indians. Uh, so those 90 Indians came, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which we brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, Yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. Doesn't mention a prayer to God. Doesn't mention setting a day aside to God. It just says we have lots by the goodness of God, and we wish everybody could have what we got. In other words, God is a passing thought of, well, all things come from God, but it doesn't say anything about prayer, dedication, setting aside a day to give thanksgiving to God whatsoever. End of paragraph. That's all that was said. Continuing in the article, the pilgrims did not hold a true thanksgiving until 1623, two years later, when it followed a drought, prayers for rain, and a subsequent rain shower. Now these were religious people, so... They feasted when they had lots and played games, and then when they had a really dry year, not much to eat, they prayed for rain. Apparently they didn't hold one in 1622. Now, continuing, and I quote, Irregular thanksgivings, irregular, not regular, not annual, irregular thanksgivings continued after favorable events, and days of fasting after unfavorable ones. In the Plymouth tradition, 
a Thanksgiving day was a church observance rather than a feast day. <coughs> Excuse me. Gradually, gradually, an annual Thanksgiving after the harvest developed in the mid-17th century, 100 years later. This did not occur on any set day or necessarily on the same day in different colonies in America. During the American Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress appointed one or more Thanksgiving days each year except in 1777. George Washington, leader of the Revolutionary Forces, proclaimed a Thanksgiving in December 1777 as a victory celebration honoring the defeat of the British at Saratoga. Not thanking God for the harvest at all, but they shot up the British and came out victorious, so it was a Thanksgiving day. A Thanksgiving day was annually appointed by the governor of New York from 1817. In some of the southern states, there was opposition to the observance of such a day on the ground that it was a relic of puritanic bigotry. In the middle of the American Civil War, Abe Lincoln, prompted by a series of editorials written by Sarah Joseph, Josepha Hale, proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be celebrated on the final Thursday in November 1863. That was when it was actually instituted, it was 1863, by Lincoln because of this woman's editorials and the things she wrote. Roosevelt changed that um, during the Great Depression. He wanted a week earlier so the Christmas sales uh, could go on for an extra week and maybe help them out of the Depression. And they called it Franken Day. Now here's something interesting. Since 1947, or maybe earlier, the National Turkey Federation presented the President of the U.S. with one live turkey and two dressed turkeys. The live turkey is pardoned and lives out the rest of its days on a peaceful farm. What does that make you think of? The Azazel. It wasn't pardoned. It was turned loose in the desert and banished from society. And this one, it lives out its life in a peaceful farm. Now that's that's a connection I'm making. Uh, I don't know that there's any basis for that necessarily, but there you have it. Since 1970, a group of Native Americans and others have held a controversial National Day of Mourning protest on Thanksgiving at Plymouth Rock in Plymouth, Massachusetts. There's two sides to this Thanksgiving story. There's the Indian view and the cultural view that is brought to us by this lady. All right, that's enough of that. Here's another one, <laughs> this article from the Christian Science Monitor. Everyone knows about the pilgrims and the Indians, right? How the two groups gathered peacefully in Plymouth to feast on juicy turkeys and colorful pumpkin pies. The trouble is, almost everything we've been taught about the first Thanksgiving in 1621 is a myth. The holiday has two distinct histories, the actual one, and a romanticized portrayal. Now she quotes those two uh, that I just read, so I won't do that again. But everything there is about that first one was in those two paragraphs. And you didn't see any of the things, basically, that we do today there. The true history has been a difficult one to uncover. Staff at Plymouth Plantation, which occupies several acres on the outskirts of the city, have been in the vanguard of researching the event, but a big obstacle remains. Everything historians know today is based on two passages written by colonists. I'll, I'll just pick out a few things. No one is certain whether the Wampanoag and the colonists regularly sat together and shared their food, or if the three-day Thanksgiving feast <laughs> recorded for posterity was a one-time event. In the culture, 
of the Wampanoag Indians who inhabited the area around Cape Todd, Thanksgiving was an everyday activity. We, as Native people, traditionally have Thanksgivings as a daily, ongoing thing, says Linda Combs, Associate Director of the Wampanoag Program at Plymouth Plantation. Every time anybody went hunting or fishing or picked a plant, they would offer a prayer or acknowledgement. Another quote, We're not sure why Massasoit and the 90 men ended up coming to Plymouth, Combs says. There's an assumption that they were invited, but nowhere in the passage does it say they were. And the idea that they sat down and lived happily ever after is, well, untrue. The relationship between the English and the Wampanoag was very complex. It was not long after that that they began selling slaves of the Indians overseas. We'll read that later. It continues, what was on the menu? First, wild turkey was never mentioned in Winslow's account. It is probable that the large amounts of fowl brought back by four hunters were seasonal waterfowl such as duck or geese. If cranberries were served, they would have been used for their tartness or color, not the sweet sauce or relish so common today. In fact, it would be more 50 more years before berries were boiled with sugar and used as an accompaniment to meat. I know that really looks brown, but it's got honey and stuff in it to help ease my And while it may look bad, it's probably better than me hacking and coughing at you. All right, so turkey is marginal, maybe. Cranberries, as we know them, were not used at all. The presence of, oh, potatoes weren't part of the feast either. Neither the sweet potato nor the white potato was yet available to colonists. The presence of pumpkin pie appears to be a myth also. The group may have eaten pumpkins and other squashes native to New England, but it is unlikely that they had the ingredients for pie crust, butter and wheat flour. Even if they had possessed butter and flour, the colonists had yet, hadn't yet built an oven for baking. That came later. While we've been able to work out which modern dishes were not available in 621, just what was served is a tougher nut to crack. A couple of guesses can be made from other passages in Winslow's correspondence about the general diet at the time. Lobsters, mussels, salad herbs, white and red grapes, black and red plums, and flint corn. So perhaps if we're going to keep Thanksgiving, we should go back to the traditional diet. Are you ready for mussels and crabs and lobsters on Thanksgiving? Let's see. Until the early 1800s, Thanksgiving was considered to be a regional holiday celebrated solemnly through fasting and quiet reflection. So Thanksgiving has as its roots a fast day. If you want to go back to that. In her magazine, let's see. In her magazine, Hale wrote appealing articles about roasted turkey, savory stuffing, and pumpkin pies, all the foods that today's holiday meals are likely to contain. So, around the middle of the 18th century is when this was established by a woman editor. Could have been a male editor, I don't mean to be sexist in that statement, but by this lady when she dreamed up a good way to eat that day. She created holiday traditions that share, share few similarities with the original feast in, 18, in 1621. Now here's a quote about her. Hale's depiction is wrong much more often than it's right, says Nancy Brennan, president of Plymouth Plantation. When this idea of the first Thanksgiving caught on, it became a big popular subject for prints and books and paintings, all of which used whatever people could gather about what the environment might have been like in 1621. Now, this is a native view. I know this is a lot of reading. I hope you can keep your mind focused. It tends to wander when people read, but that's about all I'm capable of today. 
With little mention of the native population, the Wampanoag present, uh, presence was virtually relegated to the background and the pilgrim presence promenaded to the, promoted to the fore. There were 90 Indians and 52 pilgrims. <clears throat> they were the majority population. And it quotes, let's see, one man, this is an Indian of the Wampanoags, who would like people to know more about the actual Thanksgiving is descended from the Wampanoag Indians who were such an essential part of the first so-called Thanksgiving celebration. He steps out onto the porch in front of the Flume restaurant in Plymouth and looks south. He lifts his face, marked by deep lines and dark heavy eyes toward the open sky. I'm looking down the river here now, and the sun is bright, the tide is high, the wind is blowing, he says. My people would say that is the spirit coming from the southwest, where the corn and beans and squash come from. So we thank the spirit world, the fire, the moon, the sky, the sun, the earth. Ninety of the people at the first so-called Thanksgiving if they offered thanks at all, it was to the spirit world of the fire, the moon, the sky, the sun, and the earth. That gives me an uncomfortable feeling between my shoulder blades. Whose history is it? Mills points to the Plymouth Rock on the town's waterfront as an example of differing views. When I was in school, I read about Plymouth Rock, didn't you? Where they stepped out of the Mayflower on Plymouth Rock and came, in, came on? Listen to this. Plymouth Rock on the town's waterfront is an example of differing views. The rock, first placed in 1774, the rock did not exist. They put a rock on the shore in 1774, over 150 years after 1621, is a monument to the landing of the Mayflower, the ship that brought the pilgrims to Massachusetts 362 years ago. They're saying this is America's hometown, that this is the rock the colonists stepped on, Mills says. I'm not against that, and it's nice to have the rock, but don't try to make it true when it's really a symbol, a mythology. All right, let's move on to a different source. This is called Thanksgiving Around the World. I think I also took that from Wikipedia. The concept behind Thanksgiving ceremony celebration, held with a massive zeal in every nook and corner of U.S., is similar to the August Moon Festival in China. Tet Trung Tu in Vietnam, Succoth in Jew, Kwanzaa in Africa, Pongal in India, and Chusak in Korea. Striking similarities. The list is endless, it says. Only mentions a few. The only difference in the festivals is date, rituals, and custom, but the reason behind it remains the same, to thank God for a huge, fruitful harvest. Now that is in worldwide celebration. However, when we read the accounts of what happened in Plymouth, there is no mention of God or dedicating it to God, whatever, but feasting and playing games and so on, shooting guns. I'll read a few examples. In China, the Chinese celebrate August Moon Festival that falls on the 15th day of 8th lunar month of their calendar. Chinese believe that the moon is roundest and brightest on this day. Below the heavenly moonlight, lovers speak out their heart to each other, it is also known as Women Festival conventionally. Women are considered similes to warm and compassionate virtues and have the gift of fertility just like Mother Earth. In other words, it's a, like Oktoberfest, allegedly about beer, but more about drunkenness and sex and orgies. Unlike the famous pumpkin pie, the Chinese delicacies consist of mooncake, Friends and relatives convey their regard to each other by gifting mooncake. In Rome, the Roman Harvest Festival, known as Cerelia, was celebrated in the honor of the deity Ceres, goddess of corn. 
Their festival commenced on October 4th, and it was a custom to first produce fruits, grains, and animals to the goddess. Music, parades, and sports extended the glee of the ceremony. What do we have in America? Macy's Day Parade, sports, and food. Brazilian Thanksgiving is quite temporary. Somebody came from Brazil, saw it, liked it, went home and started it in Brazil. The celebration in Korea, the celebration falls on the 15th of August, which is known as Chusak, meaning fall evening. It begins on the 14th night and continues for three days. They did it for three days in Plymouth. Is there, is there some organization or a mind behind this that causes similar things to happen here, 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 and here? Would all of these diverse cultures come up with essentially the same thing on their own? It's kind of like uh, the dead not really being dead, heaven and hell and nirvana and so on. These customs and the immortality of the soul go through all religions around the world. Now, we have equated that in the past and used the reasoning that if all of these different cultures came up with that doctrine, immortality of the soul, then there must have been a common mind behind it. Now, can we apply that logic to this, where people are coming up with three-day festivals, they're coming up with games and celebration and worship to their goddess or gods, whatever they might be, uh, whether it be the moon god or the wind, fire, you know, and so on that the Indians used. Is there a mind behind that that causes these people to put together the same kind of thing? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? In Korea, before having the food, the family gathers beneath the moonlight in remembrance of their ancestors and forefathers. We don't do it in the moonlight, but we look back to our ancestors and forefathers not to God. Do any of our celebrations have anything to do with God? We celebrate the pilgrims. We celebrate the beginning of Christmas and football and food. Now this is from uh, the latest journal written by Jan Aaron Young. He comes up with a lot of research and I've read some of his articles. Some make sense and some sometimes I wonder about, but uh, I want to read a few of his comments here. He says, in an earlier article, I described British Guy Fawkes Day, a clone of Halloween, continued in Thanksgiving Day in Canada in the U.S. I think I read that article, but I don't remember much about it. But Guy Fawkes Day was a day that celebrated the gunpowder revolution in which another man and Guy Fawkes tried to blow up Parliament and kill the King. And it has been celebrated in Britain since uh, with a, a kids begging for a coin for Guy uh, so that they could burn Guy Fox on the stake or an effigy. And they also got to the point because of the Church of England they wanted to burn the Pope in effigy as well. well that's the basis of Guy Fawkes Day. And it has the trick-or-treat element which is tied to Halloween and this man, Young, has researched and ties it also to Thanksgiving Day as well. He doesn't say much about it here. Uh, but the U.S. or Fox Day is being pushed as an international Thanksgiving Day. So they're trying through the U.N. to develop a unite, an international Thanksgiving Day with Guy Fox Day, or a rebellion against the king, as the basis for it. This led to U.S. Election Day when a few heads must roll and begging on Thanksgiving, which still occurs in some U.S. cities with costumes as bums and pranks for noncompliance. I didn't know that was going on in the U.S. on Thanksgiving, but apparently so in some cities. The heads would roll is interesting. Let's read on. The Thanksgiving Day myth promotes a far, was fuzzy warm feeling, but then so did Christmas and Easter and other things give you a nice, warm, cozy, fuzzy feeling. 
Can we go by cuzzy, fuzz, cuzzy, fuzzy feelings, or do we have to consider the facts? You know, what's in here and here that has always made us feel warm and fuzzy is not necessarily so. And sometimes we have to adjust our fuzziness. <laughs> There's a play on words for you. We can't go by fuzzy warm feelings, can we? No, we'd like to. We like to go by emotion, but we have to go by the facts and adjust our emotions accordingly. Thanksgiving Day promotes a fuzzy warm feeling, but it does not tell the rest of the story. Pilgrims and Wampanoag Indians joined in celebrating the bounty from their gods according to their pagan traditions. The pilgrims continued traditions as they learned in Europe as idolatrous harvest home and the Wampanoag keeping their Thanksgiving five times a year, this joining of peoples was within a generation time, generation's time broken asunder. Squanto, who helped the pilgrims survive, was earlier kidnapped and sold as a slave. Captain Thomas Hunt, an associate of Captain John Smith, trapped 24 Indians, including Squanto, on board his ship by the ruse of trading furs and sold them as slaves in Spain. So before we started bringing slaves here, we started selling Indians as slaves in Europe. In 1637, by Groton, Connecticut, a massacre occurred after the Pequot tribe gathered for their annual green corn festival, their Thanksgiving Day. Massachusetts Bay Colony declared a day of Thanksgiving Remember, one was not established annually at the beginning, but they had one here. Because 700 unarmed men, women, and children had been murdered. So they had a day of Thanksgiving that they were able to kill 700 Indians. The colony perpetrated and celebrated the slaughter. Which Thanksgiving did the true God honor? Indians or colonists? You know, the Indians were worshiping their demon gods, and the colonists were crowing about killing 700 Indians. This is like those on both sides of a war praying to win when really both are losers in God's eyes for warring in the first place. World War II, did the German soldiers pray to God that he would guide them in battle and not let them get killed? Did the American soldiers pray the same thing? Did the Shintoist Japanese soldiers pray to their God that they not be killed in battle as the Americans were on their side praying to God that they wouldn't die the next day? Which side was God on? Well, because of promises to Abraham, he was obviously at that time on our side, <coughs> but he's not anymore. Continuing, boats loaded with as many as 500 slaves regularly left the ports of New England. Bounties were paid for Indian scalps to encourage as many deaths as possible. Did they live happily ever after eating whatever they ate on that day? After another successful raid against the Pequot by Stamford, Connecticut, the churches announced a second day of Thanksgiving to celebrate victory over the heathen savages. During the feasting, the hacked heads of natives were kicked through the streets like soccer balls. Cut their heads off and kick them around town. We played soccer on Thanksgiving. Even the friendly Wampanoag did not escape the madness. Their chief was beheaded and his head impaled on a pole in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where it remained on display 24 years. The chief of the guy, they had the so-called Thanksgiving Day celebration. The killings became more and more frenzied with days of Thanksgiving feasts being held after each successful massacre. George Washington finally suggested that only one day of Thanksgiving per year be set aside instead of celebrating each and every massacre. Later, Abraham Lincoln decreed Thanksgiving Day to be a legal national holiday during the Civil War on the same day, he ordered troops to march against the starving Sioux in Minnesota and kill them. This is not exactly the supposed Thanksgiving spirit of love and feeding the poor. To 
Today's Thanksgiving Day is based on early U.S. ones which were religious in nature, but the only religious days which we should keep are in the Bible. <coughs> he mentioned Sarah Hale and how she was involved. He mentions more decapitations are prophesied to occur when the religions join and that we could be part of it. Now, one more quote. Robert Mueller, a renowned uh, fundamentalist evangelical, I think he is, was one of the signatories of the first declaration of World Thanksgiving, which was affirmed by 11 other distinguished international religious leaders, including the Pope and Dalai Lama. In 1988, a cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City, the pastor, James Parks Morton, conducted a Thanksgiving Day service in which 4,000 children and adults joined with American Indians, tribal leaders, medicine men, witches, nature worshipers, in a circle dance of religious friendship and unity. The ceremony was to create a heightened consciousness of the necessity of different religions working together to save our planet. Part of the ecumenism that is being established to draw all peoples together. Now, my experience with circle dances is that demons get involved and all kinds of problems happen. I've seen it happen in Worldwide Church of God once they went back to Protestantism and went back to Pentecostal uh, procedures. That sounds pretty ominous. Now, what to make of all this? Jeremiah 10 says, learn not the way of the heathen. Now, he goes on to describe there the Christmas tree and everything that comes with it and says, don't learn that way. Now, 90 people at that first so-called Thanksgiving were heathen savages who worshipped wind, fire, rocks and water, or whatever all it was, the spirit world. The pilgrims that were there, whatever percentage of them were actual pilgrims, were Protestants, who worshipped they know not what. Christ told the Jews, you think you worship the God of Moses, but you worship you know not what. And in another place, he told them, you are of your father the devil. So Christ said that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people of that day, who really thought in their own minds they were worshiping the one true God, were actually, unbeknownst to them, worshiping Satan. Now, we have long said in the Church of God for decades that there is only one true God and that the Protestant world does not know God. We've quoted such scriptures as John 4.24, which says they who worship must worship in truth and in spirit has to be true, and it has to be the Spirit of God behind it. Now, when those Protestants came over from England, there may have been a few true believers among them who kept the Sabbath. But Thanksgiving, as kept in England, was kept by Protestants on Sunday. It was kept on the Day of the Sun by sun worshippers which is what Protestants are. They worship Satan, the so-called giver of light or light bringer, which he was not at all. That was Hellel. Lucifer was a name for Christ, not a name for the devil. The word in the Hebrew there is Hellel. It's very similar to Hillel of the pagan calendar, which also came from Satan the devil. Now, we have these harvest festivals all around the world. We read briefly about China, North Korea, Brazil. Uh, we've read some about the United Kingdom. It seems 
And it even said the list is endless. It only gave a few examples of people who have harvest seasons. I think it is, or harvest festivals. I think it is only logical in a way that when a people has performed their harvest, generally in the fall, that it's time to party a little, to celebrate some, to enjoy what they have harvested. And those peoples around the world have come up with basically the same ideas, the same span of time, and they have adapted it to whatever gods they worship. And the Protestants adapted it on Sunday to the god they worshipped, bottom line, Satan the devil. So at that first so-called pilgrim thanksgiving, which we read the accounts, the only ones that there are viable today, no mention is made of God except in passing of the goodness of God that they had a nice harvest. Nothing about worship, nothing about establishing it. The food wasn't the same, and the days were devoted to playing games, shooting guns, later shooting Indians, and food, not devoted to God. So the history I was taught is not a true picture. The history I learned from textbooks in school was not a true picture. Now, I cannot point to a scripture that says specifically, like I can Easter or Christmas, that says, don't learn the way of the heathen or don't make hot cross buns and that kind of thing that they were doing on Easter. I don't know that we can trace it all the way back to Nimrod and Semiramis, <coughs> although the similarity <coughs> in the harvest festivals around the world is there and to me indicates somewhat of a mastermind behind it. Do you begin to understand why I've been squeamish the last couple of years about Thanksgiving? Now, I'm not going to stand here and say you should not do it ever again, that it does come from the pagans. I'm presenting this information for you to digest and think about, that there were no true Christians there, and they were worshiping Satan, all of them, the 90 Indians who worshiped the spirit world, and those who worshiped Satan the devil as Sunday sun worshipers. And they did not establish anything except they had a good time and ate a lot and shot guns and partied. One account does not mention God at all, the other only in passing, and certainly not in terms of we should pray on this day or anything else. So was it established by heathen who did not know the true God? I, for one, do not think that I can conscientiously, before God, try to put him in something that he wasn't in to start with and something that he did not institute. Now, we know Satan is a great counterfeiter. He tries to counterfeit everything that God does. Now, did God establish a harvest festival? Yes, he did. It's called a Feast of Tabernacles. Well, Feast of Trumpets first for the harvest of the first fruits. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a harvest of, let's say, the second fruits, or those who come up at the end of, or the beginning of the millennium, when God will bless all peoples, and they will have abundant harvests, and there will be plenty and prosperity from the beginning of the millennium forward. So God has established something there that has deep meaning in his plan, that the bride of Christ comes up on the first Feast of Trumpets, marries him, and there will be a festival involved. He will drink wine with us again, which he has not done since he died, at that wedding supper. It is rich with great and deep meaning for you and me, that Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Tabernacles, when our children will have peace, plenty, prosperity, have children without stillborns, will live a godly way without sin, without frustration and misery that it brings. God has established something that is absolutely beautiful, and he has established it in his word as something his people are to do forevermore. Now, why 
Do we need another harvest festival established by pagan Indians and pagan Protestants, which had basically nothing to do with God at the time, and that cannot be so established, when we have something that is absolutely genuine, that God himself put together, that he is in, why do we need two? Now, God has not been happy with the feasts. It says so in Isaiah 1 and many other places in the Bible. Now, I've showed that God would not place his name in Orlando or Branson or some of these places people go to party. Now, did the Feast of Tabernacles become somewhat in practice like what the pilgrims did what those in, in, in England did, and what has become the American norm today. God was not very much in it, and we went there to eat all we could, and it was known as the Feast of Booze by some around Gladewater and Big Sandy, and people would have their dresser covered with bottles. This was our time to drink and eat as much as we wanted, and to party. It didn't start out that way in the early years. We had services twice a day, every day. Friday night Bible study or preaching service, and then on the Sabbaths, two services, many of which went on three and four hours each. So on the high days or the weekly Sabbath during the feast, we sat for three or four hours let's say Friday night, three or four hours Saturday morning, and three or four hours Saturday evening. That's nine to twelve hours of sitting on your backside listening to sermons. But that changed over the years. And we began to get cruises and Branson and Orlando and Anaheim as feast sites, Disneyland. And the emphasis became eating and drinking and partying. About like American Thanksgiving with not a whole lot said about God. And the purpose seemed to be, let's get services over as fast as we can. We'll have our recreation clothes in the car, and we're heading for the mall just as soon as the amen comes. Do you begin to understand more why God began to be upset? Are we, at Thanksgiving, trying to put God in something that even the pilgrims did not try to do, apparently? Had it been a festival about God, you would think the two accounts that we have would have said something more about God and how they observed it and what they did and what the purpose was. But they give their purposes. Eating and drinking and shooting guns and partying and celebrating and playing games. On Thanksgiving today, we eat, we drink, we party, play games, and watch sports. Nothing has changed. It is being kept today, essentially, as those first pilgrims kept it, basically apart from God. Now, can we stick, some, stick God somewhere he is not? The Protestants try to do that with Christmas. Let's put Christ in Nimrod in Semiramis's day so they can become a Christian holiday. Are we trying to do the same thing? As I started to say, I don't think I can conscientiously keep Thanksgiving as a harvest festival to God based on what I've researched. I can, with my whole heart, keep the Feast of Tabernacles and make worshiping the king the main focus while I at the same time enjoy food and drink to my heart's desire, but not to drunkenness and gluttony. And that's basically what Thanksgiving is all about. Burp. Eat all you can, lay it out on the couch, and try to stay awake through the football games. It's just about gluttony and playing and having games. I don't see God in there. 
my little boy's view that I got from the history books, I find was mostly myth. So I think that I shall henceforth, personally at least, enjoy God's days that I know he is in that have such rich meaning for me and I will minimize or forget about what man has done to false gods if he had in mind God at all. We'll stop early. I'll give you back nearly 30 minutes of what I took last time.